Good evening. Can I welcome all the children tonight? Where's the children? Let me hear from you. Come on. Children, let me hear from you. Good. Some of you don't know if you're children. Some of you think you are. The young ones. Where's the children? Come on, children, make some noise. There you go. All four of you, all remember that. <clears throat> I want to conclude this series, It's Your Money, Make It First, Make It Last. And I talked to you about the diligent earner, how you should be working, and, and that God owned your company. You're actually working for God. Then we went to the prudent consumer and recognized it wasn't necessary for you or I to purchase everything. We really don't need everything. We can't take anything with us when we leave this earth. Then we looked at the generous giver and how God wants us to become a giver because God gave for God so loved that he gave. We need to manifest his presence in our life by us becoming givers. So tonight I wanna to talk to you about the fourth and final one in this series, and we're going to look at the wise saver, the wise saver. And again, I told you that your money's not my money, my money's not your money. I can't tell you what to do with it. But if you don't, if you're not a saver, I just wanna give you a hint. <clears throat> if you take or get a $5 bill and you save it, and every time you get a $5 bill, when you get changed for something, you take that $5 bill and you put it with the other ones. That accumulates rapidly. You have 20 of them, you have $100. If you pay for something with a $100 bill, they generally don't have change at the restaurants and things like that, and they'll give you like all $5 bills. Instead of spending those, take those $5 bills and put it where you were saving it. It enables you to save money rapidly. Why do we want to save? That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. All your change, all of it, whatever change you get, put it in a little jar, put it in, a, in something big enough to save it. You'd be surprised how, when you go to count that, you might have a, like $147.96. That's happened for me. That's just like extra gas money or money you could use for stuff. But God wants us, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to save what he gives us. It's called a windfall. If you come into some money that you weren't expecting, you really don't need to spend it right away. Save it. Save it. And you say, well, it's my money. I can do with it what I want. Well, that's true. But when you don't save and you need something, you generally come to those who have been saving. And this may sound a little bit helter-skelter for those of us because we're Christians, but you become a burden for the rest of us when you refuse to save. Who would agree with me? Five of you, thank you so much for that. <laughs> so rather than us becoming a burden for someone, what if you need, for those of you that drive, what if you need tires and you haven't saved any money or you need a repair in your car? Instead of having to use your credit card, if you have saved money, but you get the point, you have money to spend. Well, the wise saver is looked at in Proverbs 21, verse 20. And the Bible says, <clears throat> the wise man saves for the future. Remember that word. The wise man saves for the future, 
but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. A wise saver, here's my first point, a wise saver builds, preserves, and invests with discernment. And I'm gonna to talk to you about this word right here, discernment, as I talk to you about being a wise saver. So you say, well, you titled it the wise saver, but the key to being a wise saver is having discernment. Say that with me. Discernment. discernment. Say it again. Discernment. Okay, here we go. Those that are wise will increase what they have and live plentifully. Their wisdom will teach them to proportion their expenses to their income and to lay up for the future. Proportion your expenses from your income. That means when you get paid, you pay God, you pay yourself, and you pay your bills. Then what's left, you can spend accordingly. But if you don't pay yourself, you're not gonna have something when you need it. The fool wastes whatever he has that is of value, but the wise person carefully considers the future and uses such resources as he has or he possesses prudently or with wisdom. He can always be counted on to have a precious store of those substances on which the sustaining of his life depends. In fact, those that are the gurus that teach us about financial freedom, they say, and this may be difficult for some others until you get out of debt, that you and I should have at least six paychecks worth or six months worth of income put aside in case there's an emergency. I have said this to my wife, all it takes is one phone call and everything changes. Somebody needs help, something has happened. I, I don't know, it could be something with your car, I'm not gonna run through the gamut of everything that could happen. But the first thing you're required to do is to save six months worth of your income in case there's an emergency. So that's something you don't touch. You just leave it there. How many know when you have it saved, you'll never have an emergency? But if you don't have it saved, how many know everything's an emergency? This proverb is about saving for the future. I know we don't know what's coming, but listen to this. Easy credit has many people living on the edge of bankruptcy. The desire to keep up appearances. So we wear clothes with somebody else's name on them. Why? Why are we advertising his or her name in the things that we have? We wear clothes that has somebody else's name on it by keeping up our appearances. And it drives us to spend every penny we earn and to stretch our credit cards to the limit. But anyone who spends all he has is spending more than he can afford. Because you don't know, the book of James tells us this, you have no idea what's coming tomorrow. You have no idea. And as I said, anything can happen. All it takes is a phone call. Maybe the family needs something. A wise person puts money aside for hard times. Have any of you ever had a hard time? Have any, do any of you live with a hard time? <laughs> Every hand goes up. God approves of foresight and restraint. Foresight is looking ahead, not hoping something bad happens, 
but in case it does, and restraint, I really don't need that today. I really don't need it today. God's people need to examine their lifestyles to see whether their spending is God-pleasing or merely self-pleasing. So now we look at this. Today, tomorrow, the future. We live here. We hope we make it to there. We hope we're still alive then. Today, tomorrow, the future. The Bible informs us in the book of James that the tomorrow is not promised to anyone. We may not be here tomorrow. The Bible also informs us that a wise person looks ahead. You find that in Proverbs 14, 15. A wise person look at the head, looks to their steps. Where am I going? What type of life am I living? Why was I so foolish? All it takes is something to happen to wipe out everything that you have when you wish. I could have taken care of that. I could have easily had the money for that, paid for it. If you get laid off and you don't get another job for six months, but you don't bother anyone and you're not worried because you have income there that you saved in case this day ever came. Now, if it never comes, you still have that money. So do we eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die? Or should we plan and prepare? What do you think? Plan and, plan and prepare. But what some people say that if we prepare for the future in case something bad happens, they say, well, you're being pessimistic. No, I'm being positive. I'm not being cynical because not even you know, not even you can tell me what tomorrow will bring. I told you the man that went to a fortune teller and he wanted to see, would he have a good future? And she looked at his hand. She said, things are gonna be pretty rough for you. You're gonna have, you're gonna be lonely and it's gonna be pretty rough for you until you turn 37. And he said to the fortune teller, well, what happens when I'm 37? Are things going to change? She said, no, you'll just be used to it by that time. <laughs> okay. You and I should be planning for the best, but you and I should prepare for the worst. Does that make sense to anyone? It, wow. This side can go home because you're not responding. You and I should plan for the best, but we should prepare for the worst. Ah. <laughs> Let's try this again. You and I should plan for the best, but we should prepare for the worst. And they say, well, if your God is such a good God, why are you preparing for the worst? Because things happen in the world. People ask me, well, if God's such a good God, why did he let that earthquake happen? I go, I'm not his attorney. Ask him. Why are you asking me? I don't represent him in court. Ask him, but you don't want to ask him. You just want to argue. So it's not that God's going to allow bad things, but if they do happen, we want to be prepared. You will need your health. How many would agree with that? As you get older, you recognize that. All you have to do is have a few sleepless nights, or now it's harder to get up out of the bed. You go, good Lord. <laughs> what time is it? It's later than you get up every other day. You need your health, you'll need more time. In other words, you don't wanna die. You'll need more time. And also, you're gonna need more money. Health, time, money. In order to possess health, time, 
and money, when the pressure increases, there is one important item you'll have to have first, and this is what my sermon's about. Say that with me. Discernment. Discernment. Why didn't I think of that? I should have done that. Discernment. Discernment is, I, I can see red marks or red signs. This guy's not good for me, or this woman's not good for me. But no, I'm going to disregard my discernment. I'm going to go ahead, then I pay for it. What is discernment? Discernment is the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. And if at this age you can't tell the difference, you of all people need to get saved again. You should know by now the difference between right and wrong, not, well, if I do it, it happens to everybody else, but it's not going to happen to me. Where did that come from? Both will have a major impact on your future, the right and the wrong. Proverbs 20, 24. I'm asking you this. Where are you going? You say, what, what do you mean? Where are you going? A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? God, the one that created you, oh yeah, you remember God. He's ordering your steps. He's wanting you to be in a specific place. He's actually in control of our life. And you have peace when God is in control of your life. But many of us, we want to be in control of our life. We don't want God to do that. So since God has the ultimate say in one's life, it's often difficult for a person to understand fully his own way. What do you mean? Why do you look at your speedometer when you see a policeman with a radar gun? That's discernment, right? Why do you look at your speedometer? Am I going too fast or is he gonna pull me over? You know that look, you get a ticket. You're discerning your speed. You know exactly what will happen if you disobey the law. Why do you look in a mirror before you go out? You're discerning if what you are wearing is appropriate for the evening, how you look, and if everything's in place. What if you're wearing a wig and it's all crooked? What if your eyebrows didn't come out right? Women don't wear nylons anymore, but what if what you're wearing has a runner in it? You know? What if your shoelace is broken? You, you look in the mirror, that's discernment. Why do you look at the balance column for your debit card? Because you don't wanna get an overcharge. You wanna make sure you have enough in there to back up what you wanna purchase. Because it's quite embarrassing when you put down your card and they come back and say, I'm sorry, and everyone at the table's looking, I'm sorry, but this card's been declined. And you look at your wife and she looks at you like both of you have the answer for that. There was a young man who became a king. And while he slept, the Lord God appeared to him in a dream. And because he gave the right answer to the Lord's question, this man, this young man became the wisest man that ever lived and the richest man alive on the earth. And God said to him, as long as you live, you'll see that in your lifetime and in, after you're gone, no one will ever be as wise as you. No one will ever be as rich as you. His answer to God was this. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, 
too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and so that I can distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said this to him. Since you have asked for this and not for long life, you didn't ask for wealth for yourself, nor did you ask for the death of all your enemies, but for discernment so that you can administer justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. There will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked, riches and honor, so that in your lifetime there will be no equal among you amongst the kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David your father did, I'll also throw in a long life. What did he ask for? Give me the ability to discern between right and wrong. That's discernment. Teach me what's right. Teach me what's wrong. Right and wrong do not change. Well, maybe this time it'll work out. No, it's not going to happen. Turn to somebody and say, never happen. <laughs> Turn back to him and say, mind your own business. When Solomon became king, a woman who was with child gave birth. And there was another woman in her room, and she wanted the child. So she stole the child in her night, in, in the nighttime, because her child had died. So she put the dead child with that woman who just gave birth to a baby. In the morning, the woman with the dead child woke up and said, I want my child back. And the woman said, that's your child. Your child died. This child's mine. So they went before King Solomon, and everyone wondered what he was going to do. You know what he said? He said, give me a sword. Everyone went, <gasps> and he said, cut the baby in half and give half to this woman with the dead child and half to this woman who claims that the live baby is hers. And the woman whose baby was stolen, whose baby was still alive, she began to weep. And she said, O king, give her the child. Do not cut the child in half. Do not kill the child. The other woman said, go ahead and cut it. He then said to the woman who wanted the baby to live, you are the mother, give her the baby. Throughout all Jerusalem, it spread that God had given him discernment. That's a good place to give God a hand of praise. <laughs> it's, it's making me laugh because some of you are going, uh-huh. <laughs> clap for God. Come on, get excited about God. Go ahead. Give your servant a discerning heart to distinguish between right and wrong. This is the prayer you want to pray. And this is what you want to ask while you're alive here on the earth. And this is what I'm going to have you ask God for tonight. Give me discernment. Don't ask for, well, if I start saving, multiply it. Don't ask for that. Give me the discernment so I know the difference between right and wrong. The less wrong you do, the less you have to be worried about. You don't have to walk and, and, and look behind you all the time. There's no fear. But you know when you do wrong, 
that there's somebody looking for you because you owe someone something. God, give me discernment so I know the difference. I'm repeating myself because I want you to get this. Give me discernment so I know the difference between right and wrong. Give God a hand of praise. All right, I'll show you how this works. Well, what should I distinguish between? Poverty or wealth? Which do you want? Which do you want and in what area? You get what you want. You get what you choose. You want poverty? You'll get it. You want wealth? You will get it. But you have to choose what you want. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame your ancestry. Well, it's because I'm Mexican. We don't have a money or education. Knock off all that garbage. You get what you want. You're in control of your life. No one else is. If you want poverty, you'll get it. Come on. If you want wealth, you will get it. My staff knows that I have the habit when people want to talk to me, they just talk, 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 talk. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you want? Because I don't know what you want. Well, I got a question to ask you. Well, then ask me the question. And sometimes they ask the question and they start giving me the answer. So I start walking away. Where are you going? You already answered your own question. What do you want? In other words, where you're at today, it's where you chose to be. Nobody made you be there. Second question, premarital sex or marriage? Do you want pleasure now and pain later? What do you want? How do you know you're going to be able to control tomorrow what you couldn't control today? How do you know it's not going to happen to you? If it's happened to everyone else, get it through your mind. It's going to happen to you too. Amen. No, thank you for that one. <laughs> I know I re the reason I'm joking or being lighthearted is because I know I'm hitting the nail on the head because some of you are going, Good Lord, you told him, didn't you? <laughs> no, it's because I study human nature for a living. When I look at something, I, I know exactly what's going to happen. Third, do I want promotion on my job? Or do I want peace and joy in my family? The answer there is, what is my value of time? How do I control my time. What do I do with my time? Do I waste it? This is just me. I enjoy watching sports on television like any guy or any other person. What I have a hard time with, especially if nothing's really going on, am I really going to sit here for three hours, three and a half hours, four hours? Why? What else could I be doing? Now, I'm not crumbing on you if you watch a game and you have a barbecue with everybody or you're eating. It's good to have a good time. We're talking about your time. How do you know you're going to be alive tomorrow, next week, next month? Watch this. What good is money, though, if you can't enjoy it? So how important is your health? If you don't have health, you don't feel like doing anything. You don't feel like going anywhere. You don't feel like talking on the phone. And guess what? The older you get, and you say, well, I don't have to worry about that. Yes, you do. Everybody's aging. People that haven't seen me for a lot of years say, Pastor Mike, you've aged. And I look back at them and go, and you haven't? We all age, bozo. Where do you get that thing from? Pastor Mike, you've aged. Well, so have you. 
But what's important the older you get is your health. So if you haven't taken care of yourself, whose fault is it? Everybody say, mm-hmm. What good is time if you don't have the health to enjoy it? That's long life. Why die before you're supposed to go? Some of you are going to get to heaven and God's going to say, what are you doing here? You're way ahead of your schedule. <laughs> I messed up. Yeah. What good is time if you don't have the health to enjoy it? So it would appear that money, time, health, and long life are all tied together in your future. Question, how prepared, how healthy, how rich you are is all dependent upon you now, today, not tomorrow. So you need discernment. How many understand me now? You need wisdom, you need discernment. Go ahead, give God a hand of praise. Well, guess what? You're not gonna get wisdom and discernment from Buddha or Muhammad or somebody you know, getting your horoscope read or your palm read. Discernment comes from God. If he created you, he knows everything about you. He's going to take care of you if you trust him. Come on. <clears throat> because how prepared, how healthy, how rich you are is dependent upon you now, today, not tomorrow. It is not dependent upon circumstances. It's not dependent upon environment where you live, and it's not dependent upon your race. It's dependent upon your relationship with God. So if you don't want a relationship with God, who are you going to blame? Eh, I got time. How do you know? Really, how do you know? So here's the next question. Are you saving money? Only you know the answer to that. Are you saving money? How does one do this? I said, save all your change. Put something away in a savings account, a bank, a credit union. Put away, after you pay your tithe, put away 10% of whatever you earn for your future. Pay yourself. Live below your income level, look for sales, and you know what? Pay cash for purchases. Don't charge them, pay cash for it. You know that this guru, this financial guru, Dave Ramsey, he says, if you want a new car, and your old car still works, find out what a new car would cost and take that amount and start saving it. Pretty soon, you will have enough to buy a new car, cash, without any more payments, and more so when you sell your used car. So instead of spending that money or going to buy a car and then paying 18 to 20% interest for that car, you don't have to do that because then you're paying them what you should be paying yourself. Why would you do that? You really don't need a credit card to um, get approved for purchases, as long as you're not in debt. One of the stories I told you is that when Linda and I went to buy our first house, the guy said, uh, go ahead and put down everybody you owe money to, and he, he slipped me the application and I wrote on there debt-free, and I passed it back to him the way he passed it to me. And he looked at me because I'm Mexican, and he goes, ha, 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 uh, I don't think you understood me. Pay, put down everyone you owe money to. And I went, ha, 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 now I understand you. And I put on there, 
where I wrote debt free, I underlined it twice and I passed it back to him. And he goes, wait a minute, you don't owe anyone anything? I said, no, I don't. He goes, why not? I said, because Romans 13, eight says, owe no man anything but love. Come on, church. <laughs> and you see, if you're not in debt, you can do what you want with the money that God has given to you. So are you caring for your health? Do you eat properly? Do you rest and do you exercise? And C.S. Lewis said, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Many people will have to endure eternity without God because they chose to live without him here on earth. When you finally comprehend there is more to life than just here and now, and you realize that life that you're living now is just preparation for eternity, you will begin to live differently. Start living in the light of eternity, and that will color how you handle every relationship, every task, every circumstance. The closer you live to God, the smaller in significance everything else seems or appears. This, thank you. Your money is not yours, it's his. Your health is not yours, it's his. Your time is not yours, it's his. You are not yours, you're his. Because you died and you were born again. So now you belong to him. So everything we have belongs to him. Don't take it back, but learn from your pastor tonight. You cannot buy discernment. You get it from God. You cannot purchase wisdom. It comes to you from the Holy Spirit. So I want you to pray right now, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I come to you because I recognize from your word that what I need to have is discernment. I ask you in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit to give me discernment. So instead of me wrestling with what I have, if I just release it and give it to you, I have to trust that you will take care of me. Let me live a life of wisdom, but give me a discerning heart that I have the ability to tell the difference between right and wrong. I trust you. You are my God and I love you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. I love you, church. Good night.